0: Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmer's Guardian. I'm your host, FG Deputy Editor Olivia Midgley. Well, I hope after the bank holiday weekend you're sun kissed and not sunburnt, but it's great to finally have some summery weather, isn't it? Perfect for all this silaging that's taking place. Well, this week it's part two of our farming can campaign series, which this time is focusing on how farming can deliver rewarding careers. And how the industry is working to be attractive and welcoming to all. Here's Jess Fredenberg who's taken a deep dive into the diversity and inclusion space.
1: Listen up anyone who's interested in entering the agricultural sector, particularly if you think you don't fit the typical candidate profile. Maybe you're from a city, maybe you're a person of colour, maybe you're female, or trans, maybe you're part of the LGBTQ community, maybe you're not from the UK, because actually we'll be hearing in a moment why farming very much needs you and the different skills, ideas and experiences that come with a more diverse workforce and just how much opportunity there is across the sector for all different types of people. And so we will also today be tackling the more thorny subject of why farming still has some way to go on diversity and how it can change that. I'm excited to be joined by two people in farming who very much break the mould in multiple ways and who have become well-known champions of diversity in the sector. They are Amy Burke, who works to develop farmer skills at HDB, and Navaratnam at Parthiban, otherwise known as Thebe, a farm animal vet and dairy consultant. Thebe and Amy, welcome to the Farmer's Garden podcast. Um, I feel like we should start off by telling everyone a little bit about... About ourselves here because although this is we're, we're talking about professional things here it also very much crosses over into the personal doesn't it so could you both first start off by just telling us a little bit about who you are and um, how you got into your current line of work uh, Amy can I start with you yeah, absolutely. So um my name's Amy Burke. I am from Birmingham, as
2: you probably will pick up from my accent. So I actually am not from a farming background. I, I live in the middle of the city and I have done all, all my life. In fact, I never even saw a real live animal till I was 18 and, and went to Harper Adams University. So completely um not from farming background, uh a female in the industry, and I'm also a lesbian. So these, for for me, are quite personal barriers that I'd like to open up and discuss about so they're not
1: barriers for other people. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Amy. And thanks for being so, so open about everything as well. Um, Thebe, what about you?
3: Hi, hi everyone. So I'm Thebe. Um, So I I grew up in the north, even though you couldn't tell from my accent. I'm a farm animal vet, uh, so I qualified in Edinburgh. I'd sort of always wanted to be a vet. And I think I sort of just before vet school, I saw some experience on a farm. And when I was at vet school, I grew loving farm animals and I've worked in clinical practice all over the country. I worked in pharmaceuticals uh, and then I taught at the Royal Agricultural University for a few years as a senior lecturer. Um, And now I'm a dairy consultant. I co-founded in 2016 the British Veterinary Ethnicity and Diversity Society. um, And that's really about promoting, supporting and celebrating diversity. Um, And it started mainly in the veterinary profession, but um, I'm doing a lot of work in the agricultural sector as well. And I think there's a lot of... um, Commonality between both sectors, and so there's a lot that we can learn from it. Um, and I'm also a trustee of the Country Trust, so working to for sort of, children from disadvantaged backgrounds and marginalised backgrounds and giving them an experience on farm and food, and really hopefully making aspiring them to, to to come into the industry. Really,
1: and of course, farming has you know an enormous amount of challenges coming down the line, doesn't it? I mean, we've we've got a lot of challenges already, but there's going to be a lot of change in the next few years, and. It's, you know, how, how do we sort of tap into all those extra skills and people who can bring all these sorts of new ideas? What for, for anybody who might be listening who doesn't fit into the, the usual stereotype of, you know, white, male, middle class, from the countryside, straight, um, you know, what can farming as an industry, what can it offer those people as a, by way of a career? What would you both say?
2: Um, I think, actually, uh, what we have done is really focus on that core pre-farm gate arena, which has been a little bit unfair. And actually, when when you look further down the supply chain, there are just some incredible careers in farming. Um, you know, if you think about the technical side, if you think about the food production, and actually, when you step past that farm gate, their the 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 support for diversity is unreal. So there is some lessons we can learn from the the industry as a whole. But if you were trying to encourage people into the into a career in farming, wow, I don't even know where to begin. I think there's just so many options. It doesn't matter what you like. So I absolutely love beer. There are jobs in beer for, that link to farming. So I you know I've worked with farmers who produce the barley that go into carling beer but also the same barley can go into Maltesers two of the best things in the world um so that that, and you've got to just think very differently and we need to do a better job to promote these careers and shout about it a bit more so that we are the the number one sought after industry to come and work in um but by making it clear that actually it's a safe place and everybody's welcome doesn't matter about your background um it doesn't matter your ethnicity doesn't matter who you love come and come here it's a safe and welcome place if we get that message we won't have this issue with skills gap because there's plenty of people out in the in the uk to work they just don't want to work for us at the moment because of the image that we
1: have that is the absolute bottom bottom line isn't it which is like you say if we can be like inclusive then we we won't be dealing with like this this problem with recruitment and you know what are we going to (laughs) do in decades to come I mean see what what's been your you know your experience and maybe I don't know when you were growing up did you ever think you'd be a farm vet and how has this whole industry sort of
3: opened up to you yeah no I never thought I'd been a farm vet and um, you know I I was you know I thought about being a vet and I thought about being a small animal vet to begin with because that's the image I had uh, and that was something that I thought I probably more belonged to just because um there're probably more ethnic minority small animal vets than anybody else even though veterinary is the least diverse profession in the whole country uh, of less than 3%. So um, you know um but when I when I, for me going into the industry it was all about the animals and actually I didn't care about the culture of the industry I didn't care about anything else and actually being in the industry, culture is important. And, I, and and the love of animals wasn't, you know, it has pushed me to the edge where I've thought, well, I love animals so much, but yet I can't work in this industry, but I've fought through that. And that's why I wanna create this change because I do love work in the industry I do work in, But I want more people like me and I want more diverse people because I enjoy talking to so many different types of people. You know, it helps broaden my horizons and my thoughts as well. And mental health, it's always been shown, you know, that if you can talk to lots of different people, it helps. I think Amy was right. The image of farming is wrong. You know, we we keep going down, the, doing the same thing every year, year on year, and appealing to the same people, and are happy with the same statistics from the same people, and 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 we measure ourselves on that, and we don't actually push ourselves, push the boundaries, or look at other industries to see what to do. So we need to do that. It's going to be difficult. That um, farming is so diverse. You know, we're all all of, three of us are here. We're all doing different roles, but we're all involved in agriculture, and and that's amazing. And so, you know, we're an example this this podcast of of, of what you can be. And again, it's about projecting that. The imagery, again, you know, you look at the, who are we using as our role models in farming? Again, is it the same people that are, you know, pale male and stale you know in a way because you know if that's who we're using they might be great in our industry and very pro-farming but that's not who we need to project to the wider people to get them to join us lots of young children will be looking up and they want to see themselves and, and then it's the culture you know social media is so so big now and we're trying to use that a lot more in farming now there are some individuals in our industry who, who pull us down who are happy to be homophobic racist but who calls them out very little people call them out. You know, it'd be important, that the big industries, call them out, say that we don't stand with these people and show the image of the industry being forward thinking and fighting against prejudice and discrimination. Because again, as a young person, you know, young people now are looking for those things. They're not looking just for the job. They're looking for where the, the where they work. And if a, if a sector can show that strength, uh, calling out problems sell the the, the the diversity of options here you know if you're in, in accounting you can still work in farming if you're into banking you can still work in farming if you like uh, genetics or science you can go farming show that to children it t- it'll take change it's uncomfortable but it will help us in the long time uh, to bring change farming can
2: be a leader in diversity and inclusivity just by being aware of what's going on a bit of training maybe and accountability
1: what happens to an industry when it does start to embrace all sorts of different people with all sorts of different skills and experiences and knowledge you know what, what kind of starts to happen and what how do you think farming can really benefit from that
3: yeah, so we we live in a, in a we're really lucky in this country that we've got so much diversity in so many different ways. The problem with farming is it's it's held on to a certain identity of a certain people um, for so long, and we're in a world where we're you know we, we're trying to compete against Australia now. We're trying to compete against lots of other countries, but you know the only way innovation happens is when you have new ideas, new thoughts, new experiences, and that's the way to do it. You know, if I talk about ethnic minorities in this country, you know, farming, there's less than 1% of people of color. This country is nearly 20% um, people of color. You know, why is 20% of that thought think tank not there, of that workforce not there? You know, 33% of young children in this country are people of colour. 33, that's one in three children in this country. Why, so when you're doing a farm talk, how many children are you standing, standing in front of you are, are children of colour? So if one third of children are left out, we already have cut people out. And then you've got to think about marginalised children and other children. And then literally, we're only talking to a small number of children, which I think is a, is a big issue. So I think we need. To, so we need to think about diversity in that way, like to bring in that talent. And and it's and, and, and Amy talked about it. It's not about just bringing diversity and saying, okay, we've got we've got ten women, two people of with visible disabilities, three ethnic minorities. We're ticked a box. That's fine. No, 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 because if you put them in a room. You know, they're just going to do their own thing. They're not going to feel like they belong and they're going to go home and we've lost it. What we need is inclusivity. And I think that's the really big thing. So how do we make these people gel together? How do we bring them together, make them feel like they belong where they are? And therefore, if you feel like you belong, you're going to do your best. You're going to feel happy going there. You're going to feel like you can show yourself. And, and, and inclusivity is really, really important for, for bosses. For example, uh, if you have more people of colour, your output can increase by 22%. uh, The UK economy can increase by 2.5 billion. They say it's not about just having those people there, but it's about integrating them into the society, into the workforce, and making, making sure that those spaces are safe, like Amy said, which is really important. One thing I've really found that creates cultures where they're slightly toxic is the poor reporting mechanisms. So if there is a problem... What do people do about it? Can they go to somebody? And is something going to be done about it? The UK has got so much diversity that we're not even tapping into um, that other industries are really benefiting from. Bring in that diversity, make it inclusive. And then we're going to have the output and we're going to be able to compete and have all this new innovation. And, and you know, when we talk about issues with um, the workforce and not being able to recruit, you know, we can cut that because we've created an industry that wants people and that people feel like they want to belong
1: let's get straight to the the meat of this then and we're gonna we might make I don't know we might make a few people uncomfortable in this conversation but I think that's actually quite a good thing it means we're sort of pushing we're pushing each other you know to be more open-minded to understand things maybe move outside comfort zones which I think is important why do you think why do you think some people feel so threatened by by the concept of diversity and by even the word sometimes
3: so i find this um a little bit strange but you know I, you know i do understand so you know we talk about agriculture a- agriculture is all about diversity as a farmer you have a field you you know we talk about monocultural crops and they you know and the, and the the problem with soil health so we need to have a diversity of 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 crops or to keep the soil health and we talk about regen we talk about animals and we talk about diversity of genetics and and having stronger animals by having all that so genet- so diversity is not a new word in, in, in agriculture and the other thing is about the role. You know, what is agriculture? It's not somebody, a farmer sitting in a tractor. It's about all the roles involved in agriculture and the diversity of the roles in agriculture. Um, but I think we, you know, in the in the sector, we really worry about diversity in people. And it seems to be that I think we're, we're so used to working or seeing the same person and associating them with our sector that suddenly it feels weird that you know, we have new blood or new people joining us. Um and also in our daily lives as well, you know, people living in rural areas have been so um distant from people living in urban areas. Um and, and that's become normal that's been normalized and suddenly we're living in in a, in a country now where the world is a lot Smaller, you know, like technology on farm, change takes a while, uh, and it's and and not only with technology, but we're thinking about people as well and embracing people. So, I think that's why that uncomfortableness is there. But, um, yeah,
1: the the otherness almost, like you're saying, yeah, Yeah. Mm, okay, the unknown, yes, okay, the unknown. What, Amy, what's your take on it?
2: So, my take, so I say pretty much the same things that that Thebe says, you know, we, we have diversity. In within our farming practice but you know but when it comes to people it's a completely different bubble i genuinely believe though 99 percent of the population do not have the intention to offend or discriminate anybody there is that one percent that are just set in their ways they have this fear this pride um, of something that looks different to them but The other 99% I think are doing a good job and maybe there's something around this unconscious bias. And we all have it. We all have this unconscious bias. And it's, it's helping people to become aware of it and accountable for it. So it's raising it. You start it by saying, this might make us feel uncomfortable, might make other people feel uncomfortable, but actually we need to flip that. So when a particular person says to me, oh, do you need any help with that? Assuming because I'm a female, I'm not strong, or I don't know what I'm talking about. You need to raise that to them. You need to say, actually, no, hold on, you've offended me by that. So they realise, and they they don't do it again because they don't want to be uncomfortable or put in that situation. I believe that agriculture think that they're they're in this little bubble that there's no racism, there's no homophobia but you only have to pop up a farmer's garden picture of us all celebrating Brighton pride and see the comments to realize wow there is a lot of education needed a lot so um yeah let's let's explore it
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think let's let's try and um i think like unpack you were talking about unconscious bias and that might be quite a new concept to to some people I feel like we've all been I mean I feel like as a white person I've been challenged in the last couple of years to sort of really think more about my unconscious bias as a white person and you know we all like you said we all have those but some people might still not know quite what what that looks like in in reality and you gave one example there could you could you give another example
2: so I think so so we we don't realise, but our, our brain is is always making these decisions based on our norms and our behaviours, and these are these are learnt behaviours from from growing up. So either your parents will have so I don't know. My dad likes certain types of music, so I grew up listening to that type of music. And if I didn't go anywhere else and just stayed in my house with my dad, that's all I'd know. And and Phoebe put it quite quite nicely with, in these rural communities, you don't really go outside too much, especially farming, you're on the farm and what you see is is what you know. Um and so you have that that's what's building these norm behaviours, these these thoughts and that develops your unconscious bias. Um you know if you're reading if you're interviewing for somebody you're reading through a load of CVs and you look through and you 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 see it you see the names, you read the names and you automatically make a judgment on the names. And Seeb will go probably into a bit more detail on this, but you look at a name and if you see John Smith or if you say a name that you can't pronounce, your mind's going. Oh, I can't pronounce that. I wonder where they're from. They're probably more than likely from from England, but you've made that you've made that judgment straight away, and it's being aware. I've made that judgment, and I shouldn't be making any any kind of judgment like that. I'm
3: sure Thibbe can add on to that. No, yeah, I completely agree, Amy, and and I think it's. Where do you get your ideas from? I think that's a big thing so uh for example, Muslim people, so as a person, where did you get your ideas about Muslim people? Now, do you talk to Muslim people, interact with Muslim people, or is it based on what you see on t v or what you read or what your mates said around in the pub now a lot of unconscious bias is not based on truth or on real interaction it's based on something on an assumption it's it could be something like what do we what farming communities assume about urban communities you know we, we don't have to talk about religion we could talk about that so you know a lot of farming communities will assume that a lot of urban people don't know anything about farming or don't know anything and why do we pe- people think that is it because of what we've read in our farming journals or is it what we've actually talk to people from urban communities you know I I know a lot of people who work on city farms who have probably a lot more farming knowledge than a lot of people who work on big farms and it's just because that's all they have but actually if they communicated more with farming communities there'd be a lot of good knowledge exchange but there's that bias or that assumption that they don't know anything about farming and I think and it's it's about the first step is to understand. Yes, we all have unconscious biases. I have unconscious biases, but it's about well, if we understand them, then what can we do about them? And I think that's really really important. Um, but it, it happens throughout life, and in, in so many different situations, you know, that we we just just we just make assumptions. One person doesn't represent a whole group, so I think you know when you, if you if you if if one person does something wrong don't tarnish a whole group because of it. Of one person who's doing one thing, it doesn't mean the whole group's into that. And I think people have to understand there's diversity in diversity.
1: It's a bit like, it, it makes me think a little bit of, um, you know, every farmer will be incredibly frustrated by being painted in a certain way exactly. through the media, through people who don't, who've never met a farmer, um, you know, who perhaps there's a story in the news or something about a farmer who's, Um, got really bad like shown to have really bad like welfare suddenly every farmer is getting branded as I don't know murderous or something or cruel and uh, the frustration of that that it must be the same actually is it's the same concept isn't it exactly the same so maybe that's something for people to think about but I just wanted to move on to um, talk specifically about this in the workplace when those unconscious biases and when like discrimination starts to come into the workplace what is the impact on on you as an individual and how does it start to then actually feed through into how you're able to do your job well or not and therefore you know what how good an employee you are as well amy do you want to start off on this uh
2: yes please so i've had a lot of personal experience from being a female um especially at the beginning of my career a young female coming onto farm and and Actually, being told, "Well, well where's the, where's your where's the man kind of kind of situation," um, and it just knocks your confidence dramatically, and then you do not perform. It's as simple as that. Or, you know, I've had moments where I've where I've thought, "Is this the right industry for me? You know, why why is it so male dominated? And not even that, why are they so against females? And that might be." my inner voice talking and my imposter syndrome talking. But actually, when you have enough experiences and you add them up, you think, oh, this isn't right for me. So I can see why we do struggle to recruit people into certain roles. Um, and from, from a lesbian point of view, I didn't even once tell people I was a lesbian for years, for absolute years, because where do you see lesbians in agriculture? You just don't this doesn't happen there's no role models and that's you need role models to look up to to say okay i now fit the box <laughs> and i'll fit into the pretty picture
1: and as as an employer as well you know what is the responsibility not only kind of just on a human level but also um you know in order to to allow somebody to really do their job well and shine and, and like have a rewarding career without Without sort of this extra layer of stuff.
2: So I was uh, joined this week the Meet Business Women Conference. They had uh, the global CEO of KFC. They had the CEO, uh, the CEO of Coop Foods. They had these huge leaders who are running multinational corporations. Quite a few of them said the same thing. But it's about this safe place. So if your employees. Have this safe place to go and talk to somebody. They then start building their confidence and trust. And then if you're empowering them, saying, "Okay, you can t- come talk to me," then they're mo- more motivated and more productive because they're not spending their time worrying about whatever it might be. And it's just creating this safe space um, to open up and speak. And, and then they can just get on with get on with the job. But yeah, you've got to you've got to lead though. You've got to show the way. You know, we don't want you know, people saying, signing the Ag Respect Pledge and then not actually standing up and supporting anything. So Stuart Roberts, NFU, an amazing ally, signs the pledge, joins us. And he's a white, straight male, but he sees the need to support these initiatives and show awareness. And he probably has his mate saying, oh, why are you doing that? And he will stand up because he's a true leader. He'll stand up and say, no, take away your unconscious bias. This is why they're doing the work that they're doing, and this is why you should join in.
1: What would you say to someone listening who perhaps doesn't fit the stereotype for the agricultural sector?
2: I think we need to dismiss this this stereotype. When you actually look at all the different careers, and I know the the Farming Can campaign is is really trying to showcase the other role models so so that we're getting away from this standard, oh, a farmer looks this way. Uh, Once we get away from that, people will realise actually that there isn't, you know, there isn't a one-size-fits-all that, you know, everybody can... There's so many jobs. It's, it's quite unbelievable. Um, it's, it's, it's nearly impossible to describe all the jobs. But if you think about what you're passionate about, whether it's food, whether it's animals or like me helping other people, there's a job for everybody. It's just taking your transferable skills and putting them into the agricultural uh, relationship. But that's what we're here for, you know, anybody can contact me, I'm happy to, to help people, support people and if you also have some great resources on, on careers in agriculture, the industry is, is made to welcome people and the more we show the diversity of the roles and the people behind those roles, the more we'll engage and get people into the industry.
1: Yeah. brilliant. Thank you both. I think we'll have to leave it there because we could we could talk about this forever. It's such an interesting topic, but I think to summarize, it seems to me that farming can deliver on careers like inter- an interesting diverse range of careers for an interesting and diverse range of people, but it still has a long way to go to make those people feel Like they can be part of it in in a more, you know, in a fuller way than they can currently. Come on, farming. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to Jez, Thebe and
0: Amy for that fascinating insight. Farming can deliver meaningful careers for anyone, including those from non-farming backgrounds. And whether that be through farms linking up with schools, key organisations, share farming or apprenticeships, the industry can be instrumental in education and providing fulfilling jobs for all. You can find more at fginsight.com forward slash farming can. And for more on careers, visit our dedicated space at fginsight.com forward slash this is agriculture or forward slash careers. Well that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss any new episodes of Over the Farm Gate. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye for now.